I don't know about you guys, but we have seen the Natalia Grace docuseries and we can't stop talking about it. So we're going to talk about it with you today. Join us today on Fostering the Future. Welcome to the Fostering the Future podcast, a show about all things child welfare, dependency, adoption, and foster care. Here are your hosts, veterans in the world of child welfare, Jack and Kat. We believe that every human has incredible and equal value regardless of what side of the courtroom we sit on. We hope that everyone feels welcome and accepted here on Fostering the Future. Make sure you follow us on Facebook or Instagram as Fostering the Future Podcast, or check us out on our website at fosteringthefuturepodcast.org. This is Jack, and I'm back here with Kat, and we're ready to dive into more of the Natalia Grace story. If you haven't listened to the previous episode, now might be a good time to go back and listen to part one. So Natalia gets out of the hospital, finds out, by the way, you're not eight anymore. You're 22. And when people ask you, you have to tell them now you're 22 because you are legally 22. They give her a state identification card saying she's 22, and they decide since you're 22, and you're legally responsible for yourself now, we're just going to get you set up in an apartment. And the first apartment is in Westfield. This is an area that's kind of close to them. It's described as not a bad area. It's kind of nice. Of course, this is described by Michael. He said it's the wealthiest community. He did. But he also was telling us about his 21 couches and his 13 Six televisions. Figures in the bank. Right. <laughs> well, actually, he said hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. From his job as a manager at T-Mobile. So naturally, Natalia, she's an eight-year-old child living in an apartment all by herself. She struggled. You know what's crazy to me? They keep mentioning as like their reason for re-aging her, aside from the pubic hair and the period, is that her face was obviously clearly looked like an adult. I don't see that at all. Now, I did hear on a a podcast about Natalia Grace somewhere that the facial features that are associated with dwarfism can make you look older. But she had baby teeth, Jack. And the man's talked about how she was still losing teeth when she lived with them. I think one of the pictures, you can see a missing tooth. I'm looking at one of the pictures right now at this time where they're claiming she's an adult and she absolutely looks like a child. She's got this cute little, I think I have a picture of myself from that age where I kind of have similar facial features. Like she's got these cute little chipmunk cheeks. She looks like a little kid. She doesn't look like a tween. She doesn't look like a teen. She sure doesn't look like an adult. To me, when I look at the progression of her photos, she aged appropriately. She developed appropriately. So to say like she stopped aging at 18, so we're going to call her 22 because she stopped growing at 18 and that's four years ago. So we're going to call her 22. I'm looking at these pictures for the past, what, decade? And she absolutely looks completely different. She looks like a child here. She looks like an almost adult here. She'll be 20 on September 4th. So she is still 19 years old. Yeah. They're claiming she's what, 30 now? 33. 
she does not look the same at all. No. So she's living in this apartment in Westfield. Right. And at this time, she's not going to school. She's not doing anything. She's home all day. Well, of course, she's an adult. She doesn't need school anymore. No. At times, she has no food. There are no toys in this apartment. So I saw pictures of the inside of this apartment. Now, there could be things inside cabinets that I didn't see. And I'm not claiming to know everything. But there are no adaptive devices. There are no step stools. I don't know how this child got onto the toilet. I don't know how, like, she cleaned herself without adaptive tools. Well, that's interesting because a lot of the neighbors start complaining about her. And one of their complaints is that she has bad hygiene. Right. But if she's not tall enough and she doesn't have the devices, even if she was an adult, those things might be harder and possible for her. And she wasn't just a little person. She was a very small little person, like a very small. She didn't have a walker. She didn't have a wheelchair. She didn't have the correct shoes. She didn't have like braces, though she has those things now, but she didn't have them then. To do her laundry, I would think that she would need a step stool and a gripper. How would she get her hand in there to get her clothes out? So, of course, she probably doesn't have clean clothes. Now, I could be wrong. I probably am wrong. I'm sure she found a way to do things, but it sounds like she was alone a lot. I don't see any toys. An eight-year-old developmentally... Like you play to uh, further your social skills. Right. But if you look in the progression of pictures, as soon as they had her re-aged to 22, they changed her wardrobe from kids clothes to like grown up clothes, like wearing scarves and blouses. It's ridiculous that they instantly changed her wardrobe like that. I'm sure they were like, well, she's 22. She doesn't need toys. Like, oh, I'm positive. But what were they doing? And like all her furniture is like glass top. Like, it's so weird. Even if she was 22, if she's a little person without assistive devices to make everything glass, it's like they were trying to set her up to get right. hurt. I didn't see a step stool in the kitchen. I don't know how she prepared food. According to the neighbors, Michael Barnett is the only one that really visited her. Yeah. Which is... You know, just something to note. But he has video of going to visit her. Maybe these were subpoenaed and he doesn't know that the docuseries got these videos. The videos don't make them look good at all. We're basically watching you berate and abuse this child. Like he walked in one time and there were donuts on the counter and he's like, where'd you get the donuts? And I was thinking about it from like the other person's perspective. It is not unlike me to bring someone donuts. If I know that you like something from the store and I see that at the store, I'm going to get it for you. But why is he so angry about it? Yeah. And and so you can see she looks terrified when he asks her. And so she lied. I could totally see little Jack in the exact same situation with those same scared eyes. If he thinks like he's in trouble for something and I'm like, hey, where'd this come from? He would totally be like, so-and-so gave it to me. Just like make something up because that's what he does because he's always thinks he's going to be in trouble when he's like really not in trouble at all, like ever. But that's exactly how he would respond. And guess how old he is? Seven. He's seven years old. And if you ask him where he got something, he gets that frightened, like, fight or flight. She says, oh, I pulled him out of the cabinet, but don't worry, they're not old. And he's like, you're lying. Where did you get them? And then she finally says that someone gave them to her. And he's so mad that someone brought her food. Like, if she's hungry, like, who cares? If she's a grown-up, who cares what, what food she eats? Right. You know, these years, it is really important that kids develop social skills. And that is why it's really important that kids are given the opportunity to play. Right. And like they really need to be bored and they really need to develop creativity and they need to have things like balls and books and bikes and baby dolls and or whatever, something with a face so that they can practice their social skills. Natalia has none of that. Well, I think that's why she starts 
quote, bothering her neighbors. She found that one little kid and there's videos of her and that little boy going up and down the driveway and she tells them that she's 22 but she doesn't look like she's 20 she's playing just like the other small child when they complain about her i just i have such grief for her because like a lot of them don't like her because it's difficult for them to manage like being a neighbor to her and i think a lot of them feel bad for her some of those people on the docuseries i just want to slap they're calling her a 22 year old but if you consider the fact that hey she might actually be eight years old right how horrible are you being she's so annoying she's always looking for food since that's some boundaries or maybe get her some food or maybe see if you can get her some help or say you cannot come over at whatever i don't know it was super irritating the child clearly was isolated lonely sad depressed and we know that because she calls 911 on herself saying i'm stalking my neighbors and i'm afraid i'm gonna hurt someone that is what happens to people when they are isolated they spiral into a like a state of either self-harm or harming somebody else that is something that can happen she was a good advocate to herself and yeah. she knew, like, I, I'm going to hurt somebody. if I. And she probably was stalking her neighbors because she was seeking human connection. This is a kid who's going all day, all night, all day, all night. Nobody to tuck her in. Nobody to read her a book. Nobody, like, to do anything with. She didn't want to hurt someone. She did have some good tools to call and seek help. She definitely had trauma. She probably has a lot of behaviors. A lot of the behaviors they talk about, I would be shocked if they weren't true. But how much of what she thinks about herself and how she sees herself is what Christine has like brainwashed her to feel. The way that Christine had her practice and recite what she was telling people about how crazy she was, it felt like she was trying to brainwash her into that. So if she's living in this house and considering she's potentially an eight-year-old child, she probably really thinks she's dangerous and can hurt people. Yeah, she had her saying, my name is Natalia and I don't look it, but I'm 22 years old and you have to be careful around me because I might try to hurt you or I might try to kill you. Right. Some of the neighbors at some point called DCF, but DCF wasn't able to do anything. There wasn't jurisdiction because the judge declared her an adult. Right. Which is like, again, it's such an abuse of power that this judge re-aged her because she literally loses resources. She loses protection. It's just disgusting what has happened to her. And so things start amping up because one of the neighbors was told by her grandson that Natalia Grace sat too close to him and it made him uncomfortable. And I feel like that neighbor kind of spearheaded the movement to finally get her evicted because she got like all the neighbors on board and told the story about Natalia rolling in the grass with this boy. I don't know. It's all hearsay. I don't know. Maybe Natalia Grace was incredibly inappropriate sexually with these boys. And if that's the case, at age eight, somebody did something to her somewhere along the way. Either way, it's just horrible the way this child's being treated. But because they end up getting enough complaints to the community manager, they're able to not renew her lease. They go and they find her another apartment. They move her an hour away to Lafayette and they move her to a second floor apartment. So she can barely walk. They move her to a second floor apartment. It is. It was said by Christine and implied by Michael. They had both said that the reason they were moving her to Lafayette is because it's a quote white trash town and nobody would worry about her there. That's so terrible. They were trying to isolate her and put her in a place I mean, I don't know what they thought. Was she going to die? 
Was she going to... Fall on the stairs. But what's so funny to me is that this is the place where she ends up finding support and people who care about her in this, quote, white trash town. So they talk about how she's within, like, a mile of, like, a bus, uh, food stamps, a GED program. So they enroll her in a GED program. She walks there every day. I can't imagine... Like, moving to Canada and being like, you can walk to your GED class every day. It's a night, 10-year-old. Because you cannot convince me that they really thought she was an adult. No, and he admits to the police later. We'll get to that. The GED program calls social services on her because they believe she's a child. And while she's there, she makes friends with the mans and she moves in with them. The Barnetts have a big problem with that. When some other person out there cares about your kid, does things to help them, shows they care about them, it fills my heart. He goes on to complain about, it feels like they're taking advantage of Natalia. They used her food stamp card to buy groceries and they changed the social security into their name and moved her in. And he was like, well, I was using her social security to pay her rent. Which is interesting because he also said that he paid her rent for a year in advance and that he was just paying himself back with the social security. Okay, yeah. But she was evicted. Michael makes it out in the docuseries that she was evicted for her behavior. But she was actually evicted for non-payment of rent, which doesn't make sense if he paid a year in advance. That's true. I forgot about that. And then also, repeatedly, like, her power wasn't paid. She'd go without power for, like, three days. She would go without food. I mean, this is a child who was abused and neglected repeatedly. This is a child who has repeatedly not had her needs met. Now, I don't know the mans, but what I do know is that, like, she has been with them now for years. And we know that with the mans, she has now had some stability. She's been with them since August of 2013. That's kind of where we are. Yeah, I mean, before the mans, they were doing everything they could to isolate her. There were text messages between Christine and Michael telling each other to delete all the contacts in her phone so she couldn't call anybody because they didn't want her telling anybody what was going on. Yeah, they didn't want her telling people she had no power. They didn't want her contacting social services. They didn't want her to be able to reach a case manager. Every time she made friends with neighbors, they were trying to get her to not be around them. They were deleting her contacts in the old apartment and the new apartment. And at one point, Michael said to Christine, you can delete those contacts, but you're crazy if you don't think she has those memorized something about I'll be sitting in the house with a shotgun like this guy seems unhinged yeah they weren't concerned at all about Natalia they weren't caring for her needs the second floor apartment is ridiculous seems like there were not assistive devices and any type of support or community support they weren't getting her connected with the little people community and just from my experience watching little people big world that is a huge part of being a little person is being part of the little people community yeah they only seem concerned about themselves and their, their reputation, reputation really yeah. they don't care about her safety yeah after the barnett's moved natalia to her new second floor apartment they moved to canada where jacob was going to be attending grad school to study theoretical physics and then less than eight months later in february of 2014 michael files for divorce from christine and he moves back to indiana christine remains in canada with their three sons In May of 2014, Natalia was evicted for non-payment. And this is after the Barnetts claimed they co-signed and paid for an entire year's rent up front. 
So Natalia was left homeless by her parents. And I think you've got to not pay your rent for quite some time before you get evicted for it. Like, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I've not been evicted for not paying my rent, but I feel like it has to be more than a month. Yeah. In 2016, the Mans applied to become Natalia's guardians. I think it's notable that Natalia struggled to remember the Barnett's first names. It does seem that Natalia might struggle with her memory, which should be common for kids with PTSD. So on that application for guardianship, the Barnett's names are listed as Christina and Mark instead of Christine and Michael. It could be a clerical error. And Michael objected to the guardianship petition, which is just, why don't you want the best for your child? You're not supporting her in any way. You're not in her life. You're not involved. You're not visiting her. Shortly after that, they appoint a guardian ad litem to represent Natalia for the reason of litigating both the guardianship petition and also to vacate that order to reage her. They're trying to get her resources and help. This guardian ad litem is appointed. And I think the reason this is important is because it has now limited what they're able to do for Natalia because this woman was appointed and nothing happened in a certain amount of time. So now they can't really request it without going federal. So a few weeks later, in September of 2016, Michael gets married to a new wife. Jennifer Davis. Did she know what she was getting involved in? She might have. That might be why she married him. And in October 2016, more than three years after the abandonment, Michael's primary care doctor, Dr. McLaren, wrote a letter stating that Natalia was older than she claimed to be. In the letter, he also repeats the same claims as the Barnett's in regards to Natalia's adoption, mental health, and allegations that she has been committing fraud. The doctor states in his letter that Natalia was diagnosed with sociopathic personality disorder, which is not actually a named disorder in the DSM. In this letter, he does violate Natalia Grace's HIPAA rights. He introduces himself not as Natalia Grace's doctor, but as Michael's doctor. He's like, I'm Michael's doctor and I've been Michael's doctor for years and I know the family. In this letter, I'm going to tell you that Natalia Grace should not be re-aged back to a child and that she's a fraud and that she's diagnosed with sociopathic personality disorder. Show me the proof. Where's the proof that she was diagnosed with that? Since that's not in the DSM. How was that sent to the insurance company? Right. It's like it was a casual letter and then basically the point of the letter is to call Michael a victim and Natalia a fraud. Then in March of 2017, Michael Barnett went to a hearing at Marion Probate Court and they are the ones who originally ordered the re-aging and he objected to Natalia's age being reversed. He also called Dr. McLaren to testify on his behalf. You know, because Dr. McLaren is such a stand-up guy. I'm wondering if they're friends. Do you think they're friends? Yeah, I do. I would testify. I would testify for you. (laughs) In April 2017, the man's family, along with Natalia Grace, because she's in their family now, even though it's not like a legal situation, they moved from Indiana to Michigan. And then in January of 2018, the man's petition for guardianship is dismissed without prejudice. And the case is closed due to lack of activity for more than six months. And because of that lack of activity, they can't move forward. It seems like they could terminate their rights just for abandonment. I mean, but they first have to prove that she's the right age and because they're controlling her because they're, you know what I mean? This is where it gets good. On March 16th, 2018, Dr. Andrea Koldenak with Helen DeVos Children's Hospital examined Natalia Grace. Dr. Koldenak estimated Natalia's age to be approximately 13 to 14 years of age based on x-rays, which showed open 
physes within the hand and wrist, as well as bilateral femurs and tibias. The doctor also found that Natalia physically appeared to be a preteen. Medical records show that Natalia was physically limited because of her medical condition, complained daily of lumbar and thoracic back pain, and needed a referral for a wheelchair and a walker. Medical records also show that surgeries on Natalia's lower extremities and spine would be medically necessary with spinal realignment taking priority. Poor Natalia. Records show that because of the conflict between Natalia's legal age and physical age, treatment was denied until the conflict could be resolved. This abuse of power has... I mean, it's from all sides. Yeah. Her birth certificate shows that she was born on September 4th, 2003. And so... She would be 14. The doctor who is examining her bones on x-ray is saying she's 13 or 14. And based on her birth right. certificate, not the legal age the Barnett's say, right. she would be 14. She needs to sue the pants <laughs> off that judge. <laughs> so September in 2019, we see in the docuseries, all of a sudden the authorities start interviewing Michael Barnett. We also know that they reached out to the man's family and the man's family was like, this is the situation. And they were told, okay, well, we're going to go talk to her adoptive parents. And so in the docuseries, he shows up at the house and he even says, I'm basically trying to get him on my side here. The guy shows up like right after the divorce is finalized and was like, hey, man, I know your wife's really the bad guy. Let's get her. And because he approached Michael that way, Michael let everything out. He was like, oh, I'll tell you all about Christine and what a monster she is, right? He just finished this divorce and it was clearly contentious. There was all kinds of manipulation. And of According to him, abuse. The sheriff questions Michael Barnett and says that he admitted he knew Natalia was a minor and that Christine told Natalia to lie about her age if anyone asked. Michael admits to the police that they were lying about Natalia's age in an attempt to like throw his wife under the bus. But I think that's exactly what the sheriff was hoping he could, you know, if these people are lying because they're protecting themselves, let's pit them against each other. I think it's a classic police tactic, right? When you get the two people in separate rooms. And of course, why would anybody lie to me? I'm such a great person. But like, this is absolutely disgusting. If this adoption isn't working, let's find a good home for this child. Let's not try to keep our reputation intact by making this child look like a terrible person. Yeah. This is like an eight-year-old child. It's like literally the most disgusting thing ever. These are adults behaving so badly. This is kind of where Michael has this scene that just like absolutely grosses both of us out. I think you had to walk away the second time we watched because you couldn't watch you I, couldn't I could watch this watch part. This. I mean, speaking of adults behaving so badly. Michael goes on in this docuseries at this point to explain to us about how he was sexually abused by Christine because she used sex as a weapon with him and would deny him from sexual intercourse and send him pictures taunting him and trying to get him interested. He said that she always did this to him. So he got a wee bit addicted to pornography. (laughs) In his words, he got a wee bit addicted. And Michael says that this is sexual abuse. This is sexual abuse. He got addicted to porn because she deprived him and that is sexual abuse. And she used this addiction to pornography against him. Now, all the while, Christine is taking some inappropriate photos of herself, which she is allowed to do. You can do whatever you want. Now, Christine is not tech savvy. Bless her heart. And I am using that exactly like you think I 
and using that. According to Michael, he had all of their devices connected to one Dropbox account. So all the pictures would sync. And he starts this off to make himself not look like a total creep. Right after telling us how he's a wee bit addicted to pornography, he's telling us the real reason he loved that her phone was still connected to his Dropbox account is he would hurry onto the Dropbox every day and look for pictures of his kids because she was keeping them from him. And he just wanted to see what his kids were up to. And he was so excited. But suddenly... Dun, dun, dun. These pictures start popping up that were sexually explicit pictures of Christine, his ex-wife. Now, he definitely crosses the line in the docuseries because they show the pictures. The they show the pictures. At this point in the show, regardless of how bad Michael looks, Christine, like I'm literally watching videos of her berate this child. She seems like a monster. Yeah. Okay. But it's I don't think it's okay. okay that they posted these half naked pictures right. of her. She's human. It's not okay that they did this to her. It's not okay that Christine did these things to And this then child. he mocks her on that phone call where she's like, how did you get these pictures? And he's like, uh, you sent them to me. And she was like, I don't understand how you're using Spotify. And he's like mocking her for mixing up Spotify and Dropbox. But like, it's so gross. So that part is just really hard to watch. I don't think that that should have been shared. That was really unethical of them. And then we get into the very end of this docuseries where we're talking about the court case where the state is prosecuting. They were arrested. They were mugshots. Christine and Michael get arrested for abandonment and neglect of Natalia Grace. I remember Michael saying that he called the police officer and was like, is there really a warrant out for my arrest? And he's like, yep. He was blindsided by it because he thought he was just talking to his buddy about how bad his wife was. They bond out. These court hearings start. This for me was one of the hardest things to watch because Michael and his attorneys were so gross. I think he even said this is the Super Bowl. They were acting like they were getting ready for a performance. They were like doing chants and cheering and making jokes that were super inappropriate considering what we're here discussing. And he was even talking about, oh, I need to play the innocent dad. It was gross. For everybody had to straddle these disgusting egos. And the person who took the fall for that was Natalia Grace. She consistently took the fall for that. And from what it looks like, she just got her wheelchair. She just got her walker. She just got shoes for the first time. She has consistently taken the fall for these disgusting enormous egos. Because the docuseries, Christine is not on it other than pictures and audio. She's not interviewed at all for it. Neither the two younger boys. We don't hear her story. I don't think her story would make me like her anymore. We also don't see or hear from her attorneys. We're pretty much getting the full on of Michael and his attorneys preparing for trial. At one point during the court proceedings, I think it was a news flash, something that comes out that repeats how Michael said that Lafayette was a white trash town and no one will care about her there. The attorneys are worried about how that's going to play out. It was so hard to hear Michael complain about how so much of his evidence wasn't admissible, but it was all like evidence of about how crazy he thinks she is. This isn't about that. No matter how crazy someone is, you don't get to neglect them. You don't get to abandon them. The hardest part of this court proceeding is that nobody's allowed to call her a child. Everybody has to 
call her an adult. And when they put Natalia Grace on the stand, she has to stand up there and say her date of birth. She has to tell them she's an adult, which is not an adult. Nobody's allowed to call her a child. Nobody's allowed to discuss her real age that's on her birth certificate because legally she's this other age. They have to win this case of neglect and abandonment, but the jury can't consider the fact that she's a child. Michael gets so upset about that he can't bring the things into play about her being crazy, which again is irrelevant just because someone's crazy doesn't mean you get to abuse and neglect them. When in reality, the biggest factor in this whole case that she's actually a child is not allowed to be admissible. Right. He's worried that he can't talk about how crazy she is. And we've talked about this, but you can put anybody, no matter their mental state, they can be completely healthy, they can be not, and you can put them in horrible conditions and they can present with variety of mental health symptoms. And then you can take them out and they won't present with those symptoms anymore. And that's what it appears has happened with Natalia Grace. She has been living with a family now for 10 years that has uh, provided her with safety and stability and health care and food and social support. And she appears to be doing well. I mean, that's the crazy thing is every single picture of her with the mans, she's got this big goofy grin. In child welfare, we see kids who have incredible emotional disturbances all the time. And you can't make them smile for a picture. If I have a kid in my house who is abused and neglected from wherever he was before he was with me, I could give him ice cream and an iPad and take him to Disney World and he's not going to smile. You know, it takes a lot of time and consistency in a stable place for that to start happening. And she looks loved and happy and joyful in all of the pictures that she's in with the man. So, you know, I'm sure she has hard times and I'm sure she still struggles with the trauma that she experienced. But you can heal when you have support. Yeah, and that's clearly what she's had now. In this docuseries, we have to see this disgusting display of tears and excitement from Michael as he walks away from the court being told that he's found not guilty. He calls somebody and says, they could tell how innocent I was right away because of how short their deliberation time was. Obviously, this was all a racket. He's going on and on about how obvious it was that he's innocent. And then the interviews with the jurors after they said every single person in there thought he was guilty, but having to follow the rules that the judge gave them on how to deliberate, they were all really upset because they knew that based on the rules, they weren't going to be able to call him guilty. But every single one of them felt like he was guilty. It's such a miscarriage of justice. And then when he was declared not guilty, shortly later, they dropped the case for Christine. But I think that was a smart move because due to double jeopardy, they might not be able to try Michael for those specific charges again. Yeah. Maybe different ones. Maybe different ones. But because they dropped Christine's case, I feel like they will be able to pick that back up. Maybe if there's some way we can reverse the aging. This child has just been treated like trash just by everybody except for the man's let's talk about michael 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 is just (laughs) i can't like there is no way you can meet his personality on this docuseries and believe a word he says i don't think he's even acquainted with the truth Like at all. He starts this thing off bragging about how many sports cars he has, how many couches. He says he has a 5,000 square foot house and like 14 couches. And I'm like, 14 couches wouldn't fit in a 5,000 square foot house. I do not have a 5,000 square foot house, but it's not far from that when you consider. um, You have like four couches? Five? Yeah. I have a large family 
We are a foster family. We have had up to eight, nine, a very short period of time. We had 10. Because of that, we have a bunch of couches. We love watching movies together. Like, I'm not out there bragging about how many couches I have. You can get a couch for $300 at Ikea. Why are we bragging about couches? Because something is wrong. So if there are four children and two adults, there's six people in the house and they have 13 TV, like what is the need for that? And also in this day and age, who watches TV on a TV really? Unless you're like watching something all together, most I, people yeah, watch I, on their phone. Or I watch TV standing tablet. in line at Target. I should know. It's like the only time I get any peace. I mean, we got to get you caught up on Grey's. I know. Can we talk about the punching scene? Oh God, I... I have a really bad case of secondhand embarrassment, and that was really hard to watch. It was so hard to watch. This is where he starts admitting about the physical abuse that happened to Natalia. He does admit to some physical abuse going on in the house, and one of the things was admitting that Christine beat her up. Like, badly. He said something like, beat the holy hell out of her, or whatever. Like, Like, I don't know how she didn't have broken bones. And then he demonstrates, he's like... He makes this whole big deal. Okay, I'll get, I'm going to do this. All right, you watching me? You watching? I'm going to get that. He gets down on the ground like he's in a wrestling stance and he starts punching the air and the ground in front of him so hard he's turning red. Okay, How we, is he married? <laughs> anyways, it is the most embarrassing thing to watch for him to act out the beat down that Christine gave to Natalia. And then he gets up and he goes, ow. Ow. <laughs> that was the worst part. Ow. I gotta show my kids that scene. They're gonna love it. Because they don't have secondhand embarrassment. There's another scene of him that just is like probably one of these more extreme moments. The whole thing, he's extreme. He's crying. He's screaming. Like he's going from screaming and shouting to crying to screaming like almost in an instant. Like this is not a stable conversation from someone. I wanted to scream watching this because it was so absurd. He's sitting in a chair in a yard, probably his backyard. Oh, because he wanted to show off like his Lamborghini or Corvette or whatever in the driveway. His yellow Lamborghini. Which doesn't run, by the way. Which doesn't run, by the way. So he's sitting there and he's got a baseball bat in his hand. He's gripping this baseball bat almost like in a threatening manner while he's talking about going to court. You were accused of neglect. There's definitely a potential for abuse as well. And you're sitting here gripping a baseball bat. At one point he says, we're going to whoop some ass. And then the best part is he gets so mad when he's talking. He throws the baseball bat with all his might. And then he apologizes to the cameraman and the producers for throwing the baseball bat and he says I'm a thrower when I get mad I don't know if this was like a production failure or if this was production genius <laughs> I mean I think it was production genius so there's a lot of talk about Michael and I know you're kind of on the old reddit yeah and you've uh, seen some accounts from people who may have had encounters with Michael can you share about that yeah reddit's fun um so the the Natalia Grace subreddit is pretty small someone who claims to have worked for Michael created a post that wasn't ask me anything. And so he was pretty responsive. A Reddit user asked, did he ever make you uncomfortable? Watching his parts in the documentary were honestly really hard for me to get through because of the over-the-top theatrics made me so uncomfortable. The poster replied, not necessarily uncomfortable, but I honestly thought he was on cocaine when he interviewed me because he is so theatrical. It made my head spin. When I watched the way that he acted on this docuseries, that was definitely one of the theories in my head. You know, I have no inside information on this, but someone who has information is implying that the behavior definitely struck me to be very similar to what you would see with someone who takes cocaine. Is there 
any type of mental health conditions that yeah. act like, so maybe something along those lines, but this is not present in my un phd opinion as someone who is a sober, sane, stable human being. Right. Something is wrong. I would stay away from someone who is um, this over the top, who believes himself to be a victim, who exploits his child, or even someone who claims to be sexually abused by his spouse because of lack of sex. He does not seem like a safe person no, to be around. Ever. No. If he was walking down the road, I would cross. Absolutely. Now that we know what we know about Christine and we have a little more feel about her, I think that we're missing a lot of the pieces and she is not on the documentary as someone who's being interviewed. We would have a lot more information if she had agreed to come on the series. She's a woman who created a career around being a parent of a child who was maybe on the spectrum, but then a doctor told her he wasn't. So she was diagnosed with lupus. Mm -hmm. Allegedly. She had a stroke. Her oldest son, she received an autism diagnosis for. Her third son was supposedly born with complex regional pain syndrome. She went to many doctors until she found the one that would diagnose Natalia Grace with being a sociopath, even though it's not on the DSM. Like, I think you really know a person when you see how they treat the small things, like small children. So she created a career based on her child's special needs. Somebody had a screenshot. I don't know. It was a social media thing, something online where she asked Jacob, are you worried that I take on too much? She thinks she's like this. big deal famous speaker and author and parenting expert and she asked her oldest son Jacob the one with autism who is a genius do you ever worry that I take on too much and he says something like I just worry that you take on too many media appearances him speaking about her as someone who's looking for media attention says a lot when that's your kids comment about you your kids know you no yeah like your kids know you so Christina's special. We saw way too much of her, but we really didn't hear enough about her. I would say we barely scratched the surface. Without a doubt, that behavior is cruel, horrific. If you internationally adopt and you realize this is more than I can handle and I I feel angry, this child makes me angry, or this is more than I can handle, or something is suspicious about this and I don't feel like I can do this then doubling down is not what you need to do. You need to call the agency and say, I am so sorry, but I feel like you gave us the wrong documentation and we need to find another home because we cannot handle it. You don't need to be a hero in everybody else's eyes. We need to make sure that that child is adequately taken care of so that they can meet their greatest potential as an adult. And I feel like the goal was to make Christina and Michael look wonderful in everybody else's eyes. And the person who took the fall over and over and over again was Natalia. This was like a disaster from the start. The more I get to know them, the more concerned I am about all four of their children. Even though we don't know much about the boys, I am very concerned about all of their boys. Like, what a disaster to grow up in. Oh, yeah. Because this is an abuse of power. It is an abuse of power. And I think that we started off with Christine abusing her power as a mother and as an authority figure over this child. The gift that you are given when you are the parent of a child is one thing. 
the gift you are given when you are parenting a child that was not born of your body, that's a much bigger responsibility in a lot of ways. By its very nature, there's going to be more challenges. I feel like I don't have to just do this for me. I have to do it for them who couldn't do it for them. I have to honor and respect the sacrifices made before he even was mine or yeah. before she even was mine. That's like really sweet. Yeah. In some ways, all of us feel like we don't deserve our kids. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I'm just like, how in all the people in all the world, how do I get to be the mom of this I know. incredible human? Like, right. Why was I picked? And so even as a biological parent, you probably feel like, why did I get to be this kid's mom? But when you didn't even bear them and they didn't come from your DNA and from your loins, I feel like I feel a stronger sense of that because of that. Why do I deserve to get to be raising these children? So it's just such a huge tragedy to me when it goes the opposite way. That, that any person can be treated like they are disposable, that any person can be discarded like that. I am not an adoptive parent. I have three biological children, but I have that same overwhelm because it wasn't easy to get them. I feel like nobody in the world wanted a baby more than I wanted. When he was born, I remember thinking, there's no way that's my baby crying. And as I'm talking to you, my daughter is texting me, asking me if she can turn her brand new desk into a piece of artwork. So <laughs> there are definitely daily frustrations. And I'm not minimizing that, but I remember my grandmother telling me vivid stories about her own mother that shaped her entire life, that then shaped my mother's life, that then shaped my life. I feel like I'm so acutely humbled by how we shape our children. And, and the responsibility and of such that. such a big responsibility. And this sounds so woo-woo and weird, um, but I think you'll appreciate it. I don't dream very often, but um, I had this really vivid, weird dream one night. And it was about my own daughter. And my daughter had a baby. And she's only 10. So we're far, far. We better be far, far. <laughs> well, a 10-year-old having a baby? We'll get to that. Oh, yeah. Good point. <laughs> so anyway, it was my daughter's baby. I was looking at my daughter's baby. And it was just like this beautiful... There's nothing to the dream. It was just yeah. like this beautiful dream. She had like a baby girl. And I was just like overwhelmed with love for her. And I was like, oh my gosh, what a beautiful day. It's so wonderful. And that was it. After I woke up, I was like, I should do a really good job being a really good parent so that she's a really good parent. Aww. And it was like, a, um, I can't like explain how overwhelmed I felt with yeah. like, it's really important that we do a really good job. Being a parent is such a big responsibility and a really big job. The other thing that... The Barnetts did, but specifically Christine, that I uh, am concerned about. And when I saw this use of media, I was really concerned. They demonstrated photos of Natalia where she appeared to be evil. So I think one of the first things we see is a video of Natalia. It's a close-up of her face, and she's going, bye-bye. And it kind of sounds like a Chucky doll. You know what else it sounds like? It sounds like a YouTube video. <laughs> like, it sounds like, like my daughter will make little YouTube videos and at the end she'll just go bye-bye or bye-bye. Or you'll see selfies of Natalia and it's a super close-up of her face. And if you want to see evil, you can see evil as a super close-up. Or it'll be her with like duck lips or she's like kind of pouty. I have the same selfies on my phone of my daughter because that's what kids are doing right now. Or when you see Natalia reading the Bible 
and saying, I'm reading the Bible for my evil thoughts. No doubt in my mind, she was coerced to say that. Oh my gosh. Like that video is so unbelievable. To me, it looks set up. She's like, tell us what you're doing. Tell us why you're doing it. It's like she said, you're evil and you need to read the Bible to feel better. And they got her camera out and said, what are you doing? I'm reading the Bible to make the evil thoughts go away. It seemed very staged. Agree. I totally agree. So the next abuse of power is the Barnett's physician. And we talked about that letter that he wrote. He basically presents himself as the dad's physician. It's not even like a doctor-ish. No. Wording. I have never yeah. seen a doctor write a note like this. She's a fraud. Are you a doctor of fraud? Clearly the age is wrong. Really? Because no. there's no supporting evidence. He says that the Barnett's are the real victims. Um, oh yeah. That if there's anybody that's a victim here, that it's them. She repaid their generosity with nothing but anxiety and financial loss. Why is a doctor writing this? Right. Right. Also mentions the sociopath diagnosis, which, which as we said, is yeah. not in the DSM. So um, yeah, the, the Barnett's physician, clear abuse of power as a doctor, should definitely be reported to a medical board somewhere and investigated. The biggest abuse of power and the one thing that I feel like hurt Natalia the most, more than all of the abuse and neglect and abandonment that she's had in her life, is this judge abused his power as a judge by re-aging her and using his own formula to come up with her age and not basing it on any scientific proof. And there are ways to determine age. Uh, Dental records with x-rays of bones. They have actual medical tests that they can perform to determine the age of a child. Yeah, like open growth plates. like, And she had those tests done. They were not presented to the judge. And the judge just used his own discretion to decide and say, you stop growing at 18. She hasn't grown in four years. Let's call her 22 and call it a day. And he changed her life her livelihood, her wellness forever, and probably went home to have a steak dinner with his wife. A king sitting with his crown on a throne with no accountability. I do not understand how judges have so little accountability. There's no checks and balances. Like like, you can do appeals, but with appeals, like it's so hard for certain things to be appealed. I have seen some crazy stuff, especially lately. The way that judges can abuse their power in such a way to destroy lives blows me away because I was raised in the United States of America. I was taught in classrooms of incredibly good schools. And I was always told that everything in the government has checks Checks and balances. And And the reason they do that is so no one person can have too much authority. And the judicial system is not supposed to be making laws. But when you have that much authority, you need to be the person with the most integrity And that's often not the case. And it seems as though that is not the case in this situation. There is so much more to share about this story. Please join us again next week to hear so much more. Thank you so much for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on social. We hope that you join us again next time and keep on fostering the future.